Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Oh, man.
man, you guys t- finally did it. You got me to see a scary movie in the theater. Welcome to the film board from the next reel on Rashpixel.fm. We spoil movies. And just for fun tonight, we're going to end up spoiling two of them for you because Happy Death Day to You came out this week and it is inexorably connected story-wise to its predecessor film, Happy Death Day from 2017, which I didn't see until this week because I generally abhor horror. But the fun of this new trailer got me geeked to try my best on this one. So I got a time capsule, uh, put them, you know, with streaming services. It's great. And uh, I got a time capsule for both of them, which I think is a good thing. And we'll talk about that today. Uh, and we're going to knock the walls down on both of them and prepare for maximum spoilage. Dude. Oh. I am tripping right now. I feel like I've totally lived through this day already. Did you feel? Yes. The day reset when you died, right? Yeah. I might be able to help with that. I died 11 times. I was stuck reliving the same day over and over again until someone wearing a baby mask murdered me on the night of my birthday. Turns out it was my roommate, Lori. I kicked her crazy ass out a window and killed her, which broke the loop. But now I'm living the better version of my life. Oh, hey, you're up. I folded your pants for you. No. Way. So let's start by introducing our horror-loving hosts. Hello, Tommy Hansen. Hello. I just learned that the word is not pronounced inorexibly. So thank you for saying it out loud. <laughs> I've been saying that word wrong my entire life. <laughs> Learning. How about you, Andy Nelson? I am so glad to be on the show for this movie. I'm very excited to talk about it. Hello, Steve Sarmento. Uh, good evening. Uh, oh, hey, you're up. I viewed this movie for you. <laughs> I viewed it for you, too. And you guys call me JJ. So I am usually hiding in the bathroom when scary and suspenseful parts in movies come up. So I'm already calling in this one as a win because I actually made it to the movie and made it through the movie. If you like our fun and ra- raucous nonsense here, you should go to thenextreel.com to get the gory details about this show's gang of thugs and the Next Reel's extended family of podcasts. We've got fun ways to hang out with us in the digital dimension where we keep the crazy conversations going for a perpetual eternity. Wait, that might be redundant. Repeating eternities? That's kind of what <laughs> this movie is like. Anyway, what what did you guys think of Happy Death Day to you? Let's start with initial thoughts from Steve. Okay, so I'm not a big horror fan, so I thought Happy Death Day wouldn't be a film for me, but it turned out it was, and I was interested to see where they took this story and was surprised to see a sci-fi element emerging, and I enjoy smart sci-fi movies. And then I learned Happy Death Day 2 isn't one of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a roller coaster. <laughs> Interesting. So we are, and that's good that you bring up both movies, because I think... You know, I mentioned in the intro here that they are very connected, and I think we end up having to talk about both of them, which I saw both of them this week, so I feel definitely comfortable to do that. Uh, Andy, did you do a refresher on the first one before you saw this uh, this sequel? I didn't. I didn't. Um, I, I, although I saw it relatively recently, probably just a few months ago, not too long, and I had an absolute blast with the first one. I just was thrilled with what they did with it, uh, the whole Groundhog Day element connecting to kind of this uh, slasher horror movie i thought they did a really wonderful job with this one i think i i don't like quite as much as the first one but they they did some new things with it and i still found myself just completely enjoying it despite some issues i just i had a, a absolute blast 
Cool. Cool. Tommy, did you feel the same way about one and two? Or did they change up for you? Uh, no, I had a really good time. I'm with Andy. I had a really good time with this movie. I really loved the first one. I think it's mostly due to its lead star, who I know we'll talk about later. I could have used for the scary parts to maybe be a little bit better directed or better paced. Uh, it's not really a scary movie at all. But once you forget that for me, I mean, once you forget that, you just sort of go the thriller route, the invention and the fun and its refusal to take itself seriously uh, was really too seriously at times was really a joy for me. So I loved it. That's cool. And I think it's it's a good thing for us to bring up right now, too, that this movie isn't so much of a horror film. Um, but I definitely feel differently about the first one because I got really scared when I watched the first one earlier this week. I think I watched it maybe uh, on a Sunday night by myself, you know, this kind of thing, which is a mistake for me since I don't like scary movies. And Steve, you mentioned that it's it turns sci-fi. I actually didn't feel like the first movie was too sci-fi. You know, the whole story about her repeating in her bed, I, you know, conceptually, they were thinking about it as an otherworldly supernatural thing. So maybe that's what you mean. And you can confirm that for us as we go forward. But, you know, she's getting killed in all these different ways. I think she gets killed 11 different times, waking up on a day that's actually a shared birthday between her and her mother who's dead. So we don't know why it's happening. We just get the whole sort of ping-ponging of the slasher nature of the scary parts of that movie. And that movie, for me, felt like a very traditional horror movie that was setting me up to be scared all the time. I did walk out of the room a grand total of three times in the first movie. <laughs> but uh, as we get to the second one, I think you guys are right. I think this is less. This one takes itself less seriously. Did you watch it by yourself? I did. It was a huge and you, mistake. And you walk out of the room? <laughs> what does that mean? I have a living you, room. Oh, you leave it on. Yeah. And you walk away. <laughs> I guess that makes because if you paused it, then that wouldn't. All right, I'd have to come enough. back to it. Yeah. I need the moment to pass. <laughs> Fair enough. I get it. I get it. I, I, I'm i in my living room. I rented it on Vudu, which I think because of Vudu, the V-U-D-U, it's, I think it's uh, owned by Walmart. You can stream it there when you rent it, but it, because of the sequel coming out, it was on sale. I got it for 99 cents to watch it, which was great. But I'm in the living room and a scary part comes up. So I'll just stand up and I'll walk over to my bathroom and just kind of, you know, <laughs> take a deep breath, make sure everything's okay and just head back. Oh, there's the, you know, the, the strings, the orchestra hit. I can go back and see what that was all about. <laughs> see, I'm, I'm picturing JJ. Now, Tommy, you've seen signs, right? Okay. Yes. See, I, I'm imagining him like Joaquin Phoenix watching the TV oh. in the closet and he like keeps backing further <laughs> right. into the coats. I'm like, yes, yep. that's how <laughs> JJ watches horror movies. I think he's just slowly backing himself out of the house. Oh my. I also know that JJ watches all movies wearing a tinfoil yes. hat. So yeah, that also sense. <laughs> But this new one, the sequel wasn't that wasn't scary like that. It, it definitely was much less of the horror movie. And I think that's why I find it interesting, Steve, that you say that you felt the first one go into that sort of supernatural sci-fi smart version of the first one. This one is a whole lot more campy, but I didn't dislike it because the fun aspects of the first one, the things that I found fun in when I wasn't walking out of the room were fun here in the second one, too. And what they you know, they explain the supernatural elements of the first one's away with some science. I doubt it's real science, but it's the idea that they've created time loops because of a science experiment on the grounds of this, is it Bayfield University? Home of the Fighting Babies? <laughs> the greatest, worst mascot in history? Baby, fighting Babies! Uh, <laughs> the fight. I really need to know 
where the babies come from. But yeah, so anyway, they created a time loop and then we go through a whole bunch of misadventures. I don't know what else to call it. It, it kind of becomes campy comedy through this, how they try to do it. And they play around with then the death scenes and the scariness. And it becomes a lot less scary here in this movie. Um, and that's probably why it devolves into something that's a little less serious, even in its its concept, too. So, uh, you know, my first question for you guys was, is this one not slashy enough for you guys? Because, uh, you know, I'm taking it as my win because you guys got me to see a horror movie in the theater. But this wasn't really horror. Um, Steve, you didn't think it was smart. What 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 parts of it were really less smart for you um let's say okay so the dean anything with the dean because that just <laughs> to me this film felt like they had another script for like some you know wacky teen college comedy and they're like well that let's just take that we need a story let's let's build this on top of it and that's really where all my problems come from is we have this dimensional shift and it really resets the tone where characters, it, everything changes and it, it, it sort of cleans the slate and allows Danielle to be a good person. And then, you know, she can now be part of the team and just the, I, I, I guess I could call it slapstick, although slap cane is probably better as she's pretending to be yeah. blind. It just totally destroyed the tone of the movie because the first one was so smart and embraced itself as a horror movie that was pg-13 so it's going for a, a broader audience but still had all the things that i would want out of a horror movie whereas this one just felt like it's it knows it's going to be pg-13 and we're going straight for that seventh grade audience it just was not as smart as the first one and there were so many i think poor choices made in the story uh and in characters you know again when we're in a different dimension it there were characters acting ways that made no sense to me and to just say oh well this is a different dimension uh to me it's just it's weak writing it's sloppy writing so that's well and andy you said you said you had issues with it were those the kind of issues you had too did it feel like you were going backwards in junior high as you go from the first well there i mean there were definitely elements that they chose to incorporate into this one script wise that weren't in the first one like a lot of that stuff the first one was just a really smart kind of groundhog day slasher movie they did a great job of creating that and and making this kind of antagonistic uh girl the one who becomes kind of the hero that you love and at the end i loved that this one it it uh those elements did bug me a little bit as far as uh some of of that kind of comedy but i still i kind of enjoyed that for me it was it was some of the elements that they decided to really dig um hard with and it was explaining the loop and the kind of the sci-fi elements that they were incorporating with that with the thing because i felt like it it never really gelled and i i don't know if it matters that much but in context of the story, I just felt like even they didn't have it all completely pinned down. And that was why it frustrated me, because we have uh, earlier in the film when when um, Babyface, we'll call him, is is is, like is stalking um, uh, Ryan in after the game. And then it, then we find out it actually is Ryan from a different dimension. <laughs> I, that was like that was a, an element that I, I was like, I never felt like they closed that. And I no, I And I, I feel like they Could tried closing it at the very end when when he's talking to 
uh, I can't remember, like, I think Dre, uh, not, not Dre, one of the, one of the people at the end, Samar or whatever, they're, they're all cleaning the, the campus, you know, they're all doing, you know, right. they're doing community yeah, and they're just having conversation and, and Ryan's just like, oh, it's all, it's all big mess, but you know, we just got slingshotted back or whatever. And I was like, was that their explanation? Right. Is that what they were trying to do? It, that really weakened the story for me. Um, it was I, it, I still didn't end up minding it too much, but those elements. And also, I felt like, uh, and go, coming back, I, I think a little bit to at least what, what Steve's point was, as we have the Dean come in randomly in the in the in the time in this in this current time um to to take the device and everybody's and she tree is especially confused like wait a minute that doesn't happen in this time loop and i'm like okay why is it happening in this time loop that was another thing that i i never felt i fully understood like why is this time loop all of a sudden slipping up like this and so there were elements like that that i just felt like they didn't really know they were throwing them in there to have them to make it kind of uh, you know, throw us for a surprise, but I never felt like it connected. And and that like the comedy, I don't mind. So it just felt like too convenient of like whenever they needed a stumbling block, they say, you know, yeah, the okay. comedy, the yeah. comedy was fine because it was incorporated into the story. And at least in that context, I'm like, okay, I can buy the comedy, but those elements, I'm like, I just feel like they, the filmmakers themselves didn't have it pinned down strong enough. Totally fair. And I, and I actually, I, I didn't find any sort of, and that's why I kind of mentioned that the science is likely faulty because I mean, I, I didn't find any sort of logical answer to why the things were happening the, the way they were, but I did find it in service to the story so much as what they wanted to do with heart later on. Uh, and I think that, that made it okay for me. I made a lot of apologies for those science problems or, you know, the fact that the dean actually became a dean studying Latin and his uh, had a different name called Deus Ex Machina. That was, no, I'm just kidding. But the, uh, <laughs> he was only brought in to affect the story. I get that. The The point being is that... Um, yeah, I just think I, I didn't need those things to connect because I really was happy with the, what they were trying to do conceptually in the story. And I think that's a I, I really like that you said that because I think that the heart of the movie is what actually made it so strong for me because and and I find that that is often the case for me. If if there is a lot of heart in a movie and I really connect with it, I can be a lot more forgiving on issues that I have. And this movie, the heart elements within this movie were so strong and I just bought into it uh, like completely. So it, it made it a lot easier for me to let go of some of those issues that I had. With all that said, can we even call this a horror movie? Sure, we can do whatever we want. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> would you consider it a horror movie, Tommy? No, I would consider it a thriller, like a, sci- sure. a sci-fi okay. thriller comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. With a yeah. with the world. I mean, from the first one to Tombs or whoever the serial oh, killer. Yeah. He's like the most ridiculous <laughs> killer. Like we stopped making <laughs> new ideas for killers in the eighties. I don't know. He's, right. he's always too much, which makes it, but I guess that makes it, it worked for me because he's not who you're really trying to figure right. out. Right. Ever. It's always yeah, someone else. Never, yeah. Yeah. And yet she's still terrified of him whenever he is mentioned or, you know, is brought yeah. up on the news. Yeah. So, so the, the big issue that I have, and I think, in the first one, you know, there's at the end, there's the reference to Groundhog Day. And clearly, as Andy said, this is sort of like Groundhog Day, the horror movie. And so in this one, when they choose to reference another time travel movie, you're, they set themselves a really high bar by talking about Back to the Future 2. 
because that is a film that really weaves together time loops just so perfectly. And to set that bar and expectation for me early on in this film, I thought, oh, they're going to play around with loops and we're going to have people cross. I was expecting a lot and it never got even close to that level. We, we got we have, as, as Andy said, we've got this thing with Ryan. They never closed the loop on because we have two people in the same timeline. But we that never happens again. We get kicked into another dimension, apparently. Um, so I that isn't anything that happens in, you know, I mean, that happens in Back to the Future, too, with sort of the parallel timelines. But it just wasn't handled as uh, I don't know, with with such respect for the original. To me, this felt like. They, as you said, they didn't know where they were going, so they just kept throwing everything that they could think of in here. And when you talk about Back to the Future 2 so early on, I just felt like they set me up for disappointment. Now, wait, you're saying that's a high standard, but I thought Back to the Future 2 was kind of universally Yeah, it's kind, well, kind of the low, I, it's I the low so point too. of what? Back to the Future trilogy. No, sure. yeah. no, no, no. What? That's what I've always <laughs> no. thought. No. I, yes. I thought so, too. Really? Steve. You're t- when, we've got, when we've got Marty going back to the Under the Sea dance the second time and he's <laughs> observing his own timeline... I think that, that, that is portion is genius. The, yeah, it's yes. it's the portion in the future I think that people usually <laughs> oh. are are mocking. Uh, okay. Sure, that little piece, but I mean everything else. That half the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's fine. No, it's it's a fine movie. I, I actually really do enjoy it back to the future too. I'm just I'm just being a terrible person right now. <laughs> well, well, and I think the and I like that they use it as a vehicle for the story, that they use the Groundhog Day and then the Back to the Future 2 reference. I actually found myself trying to pull things out that I pulled from Back to the Future 2, and I actually don't really dislike Back to the Future 2 either. I just think people do. I, I catch that people mock it usually, which is the thing that I think is interesting, that, that then, then this film... Uh, takes in tries to do something new and neat with it i i caught that the tree chipper when one of the elaborate uh, <laughs> scenes that that tree her name is tree uh uses for suicide is to jump into a tree chipper was made by biffs which is it feels like a oh, direct, really? it's got to be a back to the future oh, that's fine i didn't uh, notice that easter egg and then I, I mean i'm sure there's more but i didn't really i mean i i was so into the story that i wasn't really paying attention but i love that that is out there for it I heard that Ready Player One Back to the Future music tinkle. Yes. Right, right. Once or, oh, once or twice. Cool. The, there's a, mm. I felt that once or twice there was a Back to the Future music cue, which is kind of fun. Nice. I think we should just start calling it a music tinkle, though. Yeah, I like music tinkle. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys been listening to my other podcast, Music Tinkles? It's terrible. It's a really bad podcast. Um, jumping off of something that, I mean, what Steve says and what Andy sort of is right about the 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 science not really and it feeling sometimes that they're writing themselves in a quarter and then just saying well dimensions for me and i'm not saying that that makes what i'm saying right at all but for me it was the love for the first one going back into that world the care the details that was put in that and something that i had forgotten from the first one was the inexplicable power outage our our right. uh, our what you call it our not tax dollars yeah our, oh, our tui- uh, college tuition our tuition, tuition dollars yeah. at work our, our, tu- yeah. our, our tuition dollars at work <laughs> I mean that's kind of neat because I was just in the first one and in the first one I was like oh that's just to sort of put us on edge because it's not like anyone showed up but I just thought that was really cool and then to be back there and watch Tree <laughs> realize that she's back I mean I got giddy 
Yeah. Going and seeing all of those same people, the creep, I shouldn't say creep, the guy who dressed up sort of like Prince, like walking <laughs> into the building, yes. doing the gross, like 80. I was just like, oh my gosh, they've nailed yeah. all of it. It was so much fun. And we're just running through screaming at everybody. <laughs> the so film good. continually, continually brought me that, which I was able Unlike a lot of times that I'm able to do this, um, uh, I was able to just let all of that go because I was too interested in what they were going to come up with next. I agree. They did that for me, too. And and the point you're bringing up about the, the power edge, I think, is great. When you when you bury a complicating incident for the macro story over the two movies as an Easter egg in the first movie for a micro story. Well, it wasn't. It was the entire first movie about Tree trying to end her own loop by killing her killer. I mean, I think that's really smart. And I, that kind of stuff that again, the, the logic doesn't necessarily make sense. The science doesn't make sense, but those little tidbits made it really fun for me. And I, I was along for the ride again. Cause I liked it just like you Tommy. I liked it so much the first time that I was fun to, I was happy to see all the different uh, Easter eggs and illusions in the second. I didn't catch this upon viewing, but I did read this later. After I saw it, there's actually another Easter egg um, lead in the first movie leading to the second one is What's do you that? remember? And I'm so am I I deeply love whenever studios let the filmmakers play with their opening Oh, isn't that great? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that's like my most favorite thing in the entire yeah, world. Yeah, I love that too. And so they did that in both of these. Yes. In the first one, it it yep. restarts. The Universal logo restarts okay. again. In the and first then in one. this one, it sort of becomes three alternate right. Universal yes. logos. But I did read that in the first movie, when the Universal logo restarts, there's this really big, crazy sound. That's the sound yeah. of the device. Oh. That's the, the sound, sound of, of the device. Of Sissy powering off in the sequel oh wow cool so i don't i mean that can be a lot of (laughs) stuff just sort of like yeah that's what it was (laughs) Uh, it's a cool it's a cool idea because he seems to land in the director really has been saying that he has a trilogy in mind yeah He's yeah. got to. He's, yeah. he, I mean, that's the thing. And I think everyone needs to see. Well, and Andy, it sounds like you didn't need to necessarily. But for me, I, I felt really uh, it was really helpful to me to see the two movies back to back like this, because all of those little tidbits, those little Easter eggs were really fresh in my mind. So I think everybody yeah. should see them both. Yeah. And I, I do regret not having rewatched it, especially just for those little things like watching the uh, the credits restart or the, the opening uh, company logo. Uh, which would have been fun to see. Um, I, I I think that I, I the story was still fresh enough in my head. And honestly, I think that they do, uh, I think, a pretty admirable job of playing the catch everybody up exposition game in this just to remind everybody. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I, right. you know, to their credit, they, it, it never felt long and it felt like just enough to kind of uh, remind me. Oh, yeah, right. I remember now. Well, and I do want to talk about another piece of it, because I think if we we all kind of agree that the science or the logic about the the supernatural aspect of it, the thing, the 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 leap of faith that you have to take to to go with what they're trying to do for the vehicle of the story is a little thin here. But when they get into the the character story, story, the the piece about tree and her mother and about making a choice between the future and the past. And about and then how it's delivered by the actors is just I mean it was it's really resonant surprisingly resonant I would go when she sees her mother it was she it it was great I mean it 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 blew me away I was so happy with that moment and that unlocked the story for me I I I I was forgiving 
terrible campy dialogue. I was forgiving lots of things because I was like, oh, what a great macro story. What a great concept to bring this to the screen. Not only that, but I, I think that that absolutely 100% agree. It was so touching to see. But also how beautiful was it for me? It, it hit me just amazingly that they took the the killer from the last movie from the first one and and brought her around in this one and ended up having yeah. this beautiful closure in that relationship too the way that tree right. and lori kind of have their moment it, it, in it, the finale of this one it was it was really touching and i just i all of that was just so heartwarming and i'm like i can't believe i'm watching this in this movie of all things it it struck me right. uh sideways because it was just it was so strong what an interesting ride for that character and and conceptually thinking about you know being able to uh, get good closure with even the bad people in your life in a different dimension is a really cool thing to think about oh, right yeah yeah so christopher landon someone says he's got you you found that he's got a, a trilogy planned he's he's talked so he about Groundhog it hog day with the first one we went back to the future two with the second one what's the third one going to be Oh, it's going to be a return. No, no, it's going to be a live, die, repeat, edge of tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Because we've got the military, we've got the government involved. So now it's going to be. Oh, you're right. Yes, that's where we go. And we have Danielle as the test subject. (laughs) Yes, that's right. The cutscene. And Tommy, thank you for clicking into Discord and telling everyone to stay for the cutscene. There, yeah, they 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 put Danielle up for it. That's that's going to be interesting to see her go back in time. So, what do you guys know about Christopher Landon? What did you What did you think about what he did with this movie? I, I think he that I mean he's he kind of uh, I mean he grew up in the industry uh, with uh, a famous father and I think that certainly uh, oh. yeah Michael Landon is Michael he that Landon, Landon? Yes. Yeah, yeah. oh um, that's amazing yeah he um, I mean he's kind of come up in the in the horror industry a little bit with uh, doing a lot of writing on the Paranormal Activity sequels is really kind of I think where he cool. uh, took off and uh, and then started directing with. Uh, well, actually, he had directed actually before those, but then Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, and then uh, and then you know, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, and then these two films. I think uh, I don't know. I, I think that there's a was he involved in Disturbia? I have that in the back of my head. Yes, he wrote that. Oh, he, he wrote. wrote okay, it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I I think that he's just uh, I don't know. There's something about his tone. I think works really nicely. I think he's latched on to this idea of these characters and and this world and. I just and again, just just despite the issues I have, I think he's found a really touching way to uh, make this story come forward. It's it's really heartwarming. And I, I love what he's doing here, even if it doesn't always gel completely. Yeah, I'd be willing to see another one of his movies. I mean, that's the thing. I haven't seen Disturbia. I definitely haven't seen any of the Paranormal Activity movies. <laughs> I, I can barely watch those trailers. But, um, but I mean, the what happens in this movie has led me to believe that I can trust his instinct as, as a writer and as a director a little bit to include me, who's afraid to see a horror movie, because I'll be interested enough in a story that seems, Steve, like you said, sci-fi smart in the first one, and then bringing a, a, around this kind conceptual heart piece and making it special uh i'd be interested in seeing some of these other movies maybe you guys could recommend some of those other ones to me but as long as you stay away from paranormal activity <laughs> yeah you're not going to find a lot of yeah. <laughs> a lot of laughs in the paranormal activity no, so ones. so tommy this and andy you may have seen this one but the first one happy death they reminded me a lot of the 1986 film april fool's day uh, right oh, right yeah, yeah. so sure. it's it's horror but it 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 has a lighter tone to it. And so 
No, no, Biff was in that. So that, so that's, so that's, and, and JJ, I, when I talk, talk about smart sci-fi, I wasn't talking about the first one. I was talking about how this one no, set itself up. One. This one, it, to me, it okay. was, it was, it was, you know, that balance of, of horror to a broad audience that's not going straight for the diehard horror fans because that, that cuts me out of the picture. It was well balanced. So I, I am looking forward to where the trilogy goes. I think this is a, a stumble. Um, but I, I do really enjoy what, what Landon is doing with this because it is, I, I read somewhere, this is sort of like people are talking about a horror renaissance when you've got films like, uh, hereditary and you've just, it seems like horror is finding its feet, but across a broad spectrum of some really intense films and something like this, which to me is great to see hitting that PG 13, uh, I don't know what your audiences were like. I was surrounded by teenagers when I saw this last cool. night. And um, I mean, they came in, they were excited. They were talking, you know, as the trailers are playing, I'm like, Shh, quiet. I'm trying to watch these trailers. I got to going to see what's going on with some of these things. Uh, but they kids, I'm looking for. Easter yes, exactly. Uh, but they had such fun with this movie. And I thought this is yes, I am so happy that there are films for this crowd of kids that's not just more superhero movies or like the one trailer the five feet apart about oh kids in the hospital with you know chronic illness it's like here's something that's fun there aren't a lot of horror movies for like 14 and 15 year olds and i will agree this one, this works. one works i will say it's not for me they were totally enthralled with this movie the, the the slapstick stuff the stuff that just drove me nuts they were eating up they were loving it and i'm glad they were because i think this is that as i said he's tar i think he's targeting this film at that group when embracing pg-13 uh horror you, there, there's not a lot out there it's something that's gonna be safe for jj and um <laughs> it's something that i think parents can go and watch with their their kids um it's it's you're not going to take your kid to a really disturbing dark horror film uh but this is one that yeah i hate to say it the whole family can enjoy because it's not so intensely scary it's not so thematically dark even the first one didn't get into the darkness of a horror film that i thought uh is is often the case but here it is it really embraced what they were trying to do um and i think it's it's a genre that there's not a lot out there of and i'm I'm glad to, i hope this one is successful i as i said it's not for me i had so many issues with so many things can we can we talk about gregory and that whole issue of you know that that uh, storyline professor the, the, yes because that, that's something they they bring back from the first one of like she's having Lori. you know that was the whole root of the the triangle that causes everything in the first film is trees having the affair with the professor Lori, you know is you know having the you know is interested in him and so it's this whole like you know fatal attraction thing I'm like, I'm going to take my roommate okay. out because she's in love with the man that I'm in love with. And so they bring that back in this one, Laurie and Gregory. Then we've got the the wife in there. But to me, I'm like, yes, we're in another dimension. But really, you're going to shoot your wife in the hospital and say, oh, honey, I want a divorce. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so like 1987. I mean, that's well. And see, those some of those lines, that's where it gets, you know, it, it, that's where it really feels like it's for the teens. You're right? screwed. I mean, because 
Yeah, like you're screwed or, or like if if I die again, I could stay dead. Failure is not an option. Like stuff like this, like it's just, it's really sort of, I say campy, but it's really sort of just, it's very straight. It's very cliche. And I think the people who will appreciate it are the people who haven't been seeing movies like this yes. their whole yes. lives. So um, I'm glad you bring that up, but there's a lot of that dialogue in this movie for sure. <laughs> Some of it seems sometimes like placeholder dialogue. <laughs> What do you mean by that? Like, we're going to dress it up later, but this is what she needs to get across. Some of it seems like placeholder dialogue. And the line that you just brought up, JJ, of uh, if I die again, I might stay dead. Failure is not an option. It's clearly written for the trailer. Yeah. Right. Like, it just sort of sums everything up and gives you the stakes and stuff. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. But I didn't care. I didn't care because I liked it so much. I was having so much fun with it. That, that I didn't came care up because I, I liked like, her so much. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, this is the campy dimension. That's how I yeah. did it. But, but she's great. I've, she I've is heard people a talking star. about like, how come people don't really know about her yet? What's the story? Uh, Jessica Rothy or is it Roth? I don't know how to pronounce or it. Roth, exactly, I don't know. Yeah. I think she was f- fantastic. So much fun to watch. She makes the movie, and uh, she's she's exactly yep. what um, just uh, I, I think her character, the way she plays it, just is is brilliant, and it works so perfectly for this character that you don't like so much in the first one, and then you still like her as she turns around. It's it's amazing to kind of see yep. how she does that, and she just continues that, and and all of the stuff she's doing is just I don't know, it's so good, and and the way that she she gets so frustrated when she comes back. I mean, she she carries every scene that she does flawlessly she's she's perfect in this film she needs to be in more stuff because uh, she's one of those people who is just needs to be on screen her character arc in the first movie would have been unbelievable with a lesser actress because she's so dislikable at the beginning yes and then for her to take that transition and she does it perfectly. You totally believe it. You totally love her by the end. And then for her to come in this movie, and then we know that because we've now stitched these two movies together, that no additional time, actual time, has passed. And yet now she is deeply in in love, really, with Carter, right? I mean, in, she goes into a different dimension, and she has to be faced with her rival having Carter. And she, when she was this terrible person, didn't like him at all. So in the course of in the course of actual time, what two weeks? I guess eleven deaths, eleven mm-hmm. days in the first movie. Yeah. She is now a, a good person and in love with someone. This is all made believable by how wonderful this actress is. That's it's the only thing I can use to explain it. She does such a great job and she's so much fun to watch that I would believe her it, it, with that turn. 100% agree. I think the only reason that these films work as well as they do for me is her across the board. Yeah. I like Carter. I like his non-traditional look for that kind of character. Yeah. yeah. He's not like something else. Uh, he was in a movie called Happy in? Death Day. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first one. He was in, he was oh, in the yeah. bling ring. I saw him. Yeah, he was in the bling ring. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, That's yeah. right. His oh. name is Israel Broussard. The, I guess, you know, looking at these casts, it has that feeling of a teen slasher movie, right? Where everyone is kind of or really good looking, right? And they're somewhat kind of recognizable but not people we know yet and it's i think some of the people are going to come out of this movie and do really well you know and these two people uh, jessica and israel i think are going to do really well coming off of these movies because they become such great heroes for us throughout the two movies i'd love to see more of both of them yeah 
Well, you will in the third one, I'm sure. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Happy Death Day, three of us. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then Ryan is, uh, I think it's mm. Fee or Fivu. He, unfortunately, I'm not a fan of. I had a little oh, no. bit of a panic when it started with him because I hadn't really watched any trailers or anything. I was like, yeah. oh, we can't hang this movie around him. <laughs> I don't mean to be okay. a jerk, but he's, he's just not that charming. He has well, trouble with certain dialogue. Like, he's just not. He's kind of like, like in the very first scene, he's like picking his nose as he's walking. And I'm like, yeah, that pretty much is right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and his character, to, to be fair to the actor, his character is really thin, too. I mean, his character is terribly shallow. Right. Correct. And that's, uh, and that's it becomes point. a challenge because he uh, is given a lot more. I mean, I actually don't mind him, but, and, and maybe my part of my issue with him is that he is the one who becomes babyface in that, uh, in the universe where, you know, he's doubled and, and all of a sudden, you know, there's that oddity added to his story element. And I think it just, it, I think that ends up frustrating me more with him. And maybe I pin that on him more than I should. <laughs> Tommy, I, I, I don't know if you have written a song yet, but if you have not, I suggest that you go to uh, the Babyface uh, history of songs and oh, uh, write a song for this to, you know, Whip Appeal maybe, or This Is For The Lover In You or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, I, I hadn't thought about calling it Babyface and I just love that you've done that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, Danielle, Danielle is Rachel Matthews. I don't. I, I I mean she's she's great for what she does. She's totally the the foil, right? I mean, um, if the third movie centers around you, maybe we'll get a better sense of what she can do as as an actress. But she only has sort of one one way to go in this movie. How do you guys feel about Danielle? Pretty big set piece though with her pretending to be blind. I mean, she gets a real comic. She gets a chance to really sort of spread her wings a bit, and she did pretty well. I thought yeah, that the, but, the film did most of the work in that scene versus her, uh, but I thought she, it didn't feel like what's happening here. We never get to see Danielle as a person, though. Unfortunately, she's always a caricature. Oh, and that's oh, what and, and it's interesting, that. though, because she, even even though she's set up to be so much more the likable girl in this alternate uh, dimension, she still ends up not being the likable girl, right? Well, she's yeah, still, right? She's still cheating. cheating. I think that's across the yeah, board. She's, yeah, she's just an evil yeah, character, no right. matter what. She's just using I him that for scene with the guy she was cheating with. Though was great. That, when he comes out of the other and he was he just was, dumb as a rock. Well, he's from the first that, one. That's not possible because rocks don't have brains. Yes, he's in the I first one. Yes. Yes. Oh, who is he who in the first, in the first one? one? You don't remember when Tree goes to the party? She's in the frat house, and he's got the whole like dance disco thing in his room. That's him. Oh, that's him. I believe that's the same character because <laughs> oh, because that's him. because that's a great because catch, that was uh, I believe that was Danielle's one of the guys she hooks up with, and that's the whole reason she was pissed at Tree was uh, you know. I watched it just on Sunday as well. So, JJ, I'm surprised you don't remember that whole sequence there. Well, I don't feel like he was particularly dumb in the first movie. Was he? Uh, he wasn't. Like remember, he gets, when, she, when Tree shows up to the, the surprise party, you know, she knocks on the door, he opens the door, right. and, and she like just belts him because he's wearing the baby face mask. I remember that. Yes. yes. Oh, of course. So, yeah, I... Oh, that's him. Oh, neat. Okay, good work. That's that's a great catch. Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't catch that at all. That's now, awesome. He didn't have as much time to show that he's as dumb as rocks, but again, we're in a different dimension. So, and <laughs> as we can see, great opportunity to just rewrite a character to whatever's going to fit <laughs> yep. the story. 
the uh, only other actor that I really want to talk about is the mom. I was super happy with the mom. She had every, yeah. every, all of her lines were emotional heavy lifting. Oh yes. She had to do, be the kind of sage advisor, which is appropriate for the story being that she comes back from the dead to, you know, advise her daughter. But I thought that actress, it's a Missy Yeager. And I think she was just great. She was so much fun to, to, to go along with. And I mean, I believed everything she said, I would have taken her advice too. She was, uh, it was a really touching element to add. And I do think, uh, and actually she did play her in the first one. Uh, I guess just, uh, yeah. yeah, but but uh, she was just yeah right. She she was so touching here, and just the conversations that she had, and it's it was interesting because we're we're obviously on Tree's side of things, and we know what's going on in this alternate universe. But the way that she reacted to the conversations she was having with Tree um, just felt so authentic and and uh, beautifully parental. I was just like, ah, I I want to be able to remember to say things like this to my own kids because she just did such a good <laughs> yeah. job with it. Right? Yes. <laughs> Yes. When you're dying and reliving. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you're caught, maybe, you're maybe I already have said great lines like this in, in the alternate. <laughs> of course timeline. you have. We've rec- this is dimension. the fourth time we've recorded this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to stop the loop. Uh, so anything special from camera? I, we had Toby Oliver yeah. uh, as the cinematographer on this. And one. we've had him on the show before. Which is awesome. What was the What was the show that he talked about when he was on the show with us? I knew you were going to ask me that. I should have been prepared. Uh, what <laughs> I want to say, was it him that we talked to about um, uh, Dunkirk? Was he our Dunkirk guest? Well, let's go back. Right, I have to go look. <laughs> Sorry. Speak easy. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, That's Dunkirk. what Google's telling me. Wait, no, I, he talked about Greece too. <laughs> <laughs> I might be looking at the wrong oh, internet. Very cool. So, uh, so we've met with Toby though, um, and talking about Dunkirk. Um, what kind of camera things did you guys see in this movie that were kind of fun? I thought it looked fine. I, I, I think that they play up the tropes when necessary in order to kind of create the mood. Uh, I will say, and I, I don't know if I can completely fault the DP on this, but there were uh, a number of shots in this that the uh, the green screen work just looked pretty rough. Um, yes, when yeah. she was doing any of the skydiving stuff, or or some, there were some other ones too, and that was kind of frustrating for me. I'm like, oh, they could have made this look a lot better than they did, but um, yeah, especially the effects in these days. were rough, yeah. but. Yeah, the, the, as far as the camera and and the thing that I enjoyed most about the movie was the tone, really, the color. Everything really popped in a very, really neat way. Um, I didn't have particular particular camera moves that I liked, but I just was really kind of, I felt present with on the campus with them at all times, and I thought that was really great. The one shot that stuck out with me was, I think it's when she, it's one where she's, what, in like in the bell tower and she she falls and then she's falling down 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 and then she's falling oh yeah that's nice oh yeah that was the one that you know and that um was, oh clever effect yeah because yes. it it really gets into and i i when i watched the first one i watched some of the extras on itunes and they i think they talked a little bit about how you never really see her die it's always like at the moment of her just as she's about to die is when she wakes up and so that for me that was the nice transition that we see of you know at the moment of death, just as she's about to hit the ground, she's hitting the bed. And it sort of brings that back into this one of we never actually see that violent moment of death. 
Um, for me, some of it was used a little bit more for comic effect this time, like when she electrocutes herself in the bathtub and then wakes up and her hair is just blown out. And, right, right. Um, right. You know, again, going for the... I, I didn't care for that. No, I didn't either. <laughs> no. Is it, it play Again, it's like we're, there's no rules, right, across dimensions and, and whatever. Um, but for me, that, that... Yeah, that whole thing about her getting weaker with every death. That's from the first one as well. really... Yeah, yeah, but it, but it didn't but really take effect for her in this because right. uh, she knows that, and yet she continues to kill herself in extremely painful and terrible ways, which you would think she would maybe try to do differently. Right, just like really a, just that, overdose yeah. on sleeping pills. <laughs> so, right, <take>. right. <laughs> yes, because yeah. that's. I thought she would have been more cautious about how she died because I thought from the first one they set up. Uh, because she'd been stabbed so many times, like there's all this scar tissue in her lungs from from being yep. stabbed. So I thought yeah, she had the hospital visit in both. Right. Movies. So this one, so, I yeah, thought, right. okay. Don't do things that are going to be like destructive to your body, <laughs> like you know, throwing yourself down a, a, a bell tower or, or, or into a tree, uh, or into a tree shredder. Right. Yeah, I chipper. I'm like you. You know that your body has to deal with this. So yeah, sleeping pills might be a good idea. You know, because uh, I think there was also what the the overdosing or not overdosing the drinking the the bleach drain killer yeah, the, or the, the, the drain yeah. or whatever yeah the draino or whatever and i Oof. thought uh, yeah don't do that yeah. but <laughs> going back to toby oh, wow. oliver for just one second i thought there was some really sometimes it was a little covered up by the effects but there was some really beautiful very luxurious slow-mo mm. yeah uh in the yes. movie which i yes. really enjoyed yeah. like if you're gonna yeah. go that like a really big swing and like let's just really let it go yeah. for a long yeah. time which i thought was pretty beautiful and you usually don't like that right like it needs to be done with intent for you to appreciate it like that. Correct. Well, because a lot of times what happens in movies is they do they you can tell that they figured it out later because it's right. that jumpy slow mo. The digital uh, slow the down, digital yeah. slow mo, which which I can't stand. Uh, but this you could tell was like a big. They were on wires. Like when the when Sissy blows up that one time. That's just a lot of fun with everyone being thrown through different windows right. and against different stuff with the music at a, at a top level. I thought that was a lot of fun. I mentioned the 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 sometimes sloppy looking green screen. I will say, even though it still looked kind of sloppy, I really did enjoy the slow-mo moment when you had Danielle and uh, and uh, what's his name sitting on the bench, uh, Carter. Carter. And, uh, <laughs> and then she comes falling. She's flipping, she's flipping off the camera, know, not them. I'm like, what? that makes Works. no sense. It and was, then, come was, on, you're going to jump out of an airplane. I agree. But it right was, above me. But it worked. Oh, it made no. me laugh. It made me laugh. <laughs> And it made my entire theater burst out yeah, laughing. It was pure yeah. fun. I pure fun. It's sure. almost, I mean, the idea that she's able to jump out of a plane, that she's up there in her bikini the whole time, no one notices, and jumps off and lands right, right. there. Of yeah. course they're flipping up us. Yeah. Up us off, Steve. Yes, of course. She's not flicking up because she's saying, we're doing whatever works. Yeah, this is fun. If you're true. not laughing, right. I mean, yes. yeah. <laughs> I think I think the yeah. flip off is about all the science. Yes, it is. <laughs> all the everything. If you're not on if board, any, you're not on right, board, yes, says Tree. Right. <laughs> if at any moment you doubt that this movie could be real, watch this right. scene. Yeah, right. exactly. And I guess that's my big issue is the first one that was so grounded in aside from a time loop. A mythology. It's 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 grounded in real world. And it seems like in this one when we get into the other dimension, we're in like comic book reality where rules don't apply whereas in the first one other than resetting which we don't understand everything else is played straight realistic in this world and we start there and then we shift into this other dimension where it's like rules don't apply 
and and now was it, now what did they say in Scream where they talk about the formula? Don't they they lay it out that the first one is X and then the second one is Y is part of defying in the sequel? Uh, Jonathan Dempsey says it in the yeah, Jonathan what, Dempsey. You, no, Patrick Dempsey yeah. in the sequel. Yes. All bets are off. Yeah, I always remember See, that because he think, says it's super weird in the sequel. All bets are off. Well, okay. <laughs> and then he says something about the last one that it's like there's more deaths. You, you can expect more deaths and all that kind of thing. Um, so maybe they're following that formula yeah, to some degree. Are. Maybe sure, there's an sure. allusion to Scream in this movie. Well, he actually references Scream. Uh, Christopher Landon does as one of his uh, inspirations for these uh, films. I think that uh, it's it. I think it shines through. I mean, I think reference to self-referential types of movies does seem to be something that he enjoys and, and just kind of likes to throw in um, having fun. It, it does make me wonder, though, and I, I, I'm curious what you guys think of, of you know, there's a difference, I think, between a, a horror movie where, you know, the sequel changes things up and does things and all bets are off or whatever. But how does it work for you when it changes the tone so much? Because obviously that is quite a difference where it's kind of like a horror movie, but then the sequel is a little bit more of kind of a, a campy, goofy thing. Like, I I feel like there I, there are other instances of this that I'm not coming up with. I feel like I want to say Fright Night and Fright Night 2, but I don't know if that's accurate as far as the tonal shift in or gremlins gremlins and gremlins too i think that's that's an interesting uh, tonal shift in those two films and that's a really interesting point to bring up i mean for me i kind of feel like do you remember which really scary parts from the first one you remember from no. the first uh because ha- i don't but i do remember yeah. when they started having yeah. fun yeah, I, think I right. do remember right. the montage. So it's almost like part of it is to be believed of they picked all the stuff that worked the best from the first one and made that the focus of the second one, which I was a, which is risky. But for me, a lot because of her, because of the actress playing tree, it worked for me. I guess there, I, when I think of the first one and just I'd seen it recently, the, to me, the first time through she's heading to the party and there's a she's she walks past a bunch of people and there's like a kid in a hoodie with the baby mask and then it's clear he's with that group and she continues and then there's a little underpass that she's going to walk through and there's a little music music box box. yes exactly which 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 isn't a part of the killer's mythology which never comes no it doesn't come back but it's it's an iconic like creepy moment you've got there's something about music box you know yeah twinkly music in a dark place that tinkly tinkly. (laughs) we're back to tinkly music that worked really well because to me that's it's telling me yes we're in a horror movie because it's it's doing unusual things like that like why would there be a music box in in the one like underneath the one light source in this underpass you know in the middle of the fringes of the campus. Yes, that's exactly what you expect. Girl, don't walk through there because something weird and creepy is going to happen. And it, they played it really well. But I think it's interesting, Tommy, that you don't remember those as much as the other parts. And I think that's the PG-13 side of this, of embracing that that lighter tone, which I think we agree is the strength of the first one. To me, it's... Right. You know, they followed that to to a fault in the second one. And it's completely subjective. You're right. I'd never found that first sequence. It seemed like a bunch of sort of if you took some horror movies and sort of in a bag and you shook it out. 
that that's what would be left. Because like there, there wasn't, it's not the twinkly music killer. Like there was no, it was just sort of like, what's kind of creepy? I don't know. Ballerina's little boxes. What's creepy? A tunnel that has a sidewalk you can see where she can go around the tunnel. Yes. Like, it, just, it, it, it felt a little like rushed and lazy and just sort of like, I don't know. So the fact that that didn't work that well for me, although, again, I'm still a huge fan of the first one. That's why I wasn't holding on too tight. But you're right that I do believe that that was an iconic moment for that movie and one that I had when I said, is there anything that you remember? You did answer my question and answered it very well. Because for me, that one, I was still expecting it to be a horror movie. And sure. it's that it's setting those things up. Yes. By the time you get to the end of the film, you you think who's putting that there it's it's is it laurie because she's the killer and why would she do that and i have all kinds of issues with the first one of like laurie can be anywhere at any point and how does she know where tree's going to be but fine it's a horror movie i don't care and well that's that's the suspension of disbelief that i will accept in a horror movie and this one i'm suspending my disbelief because i don't there, there's so many red herrings because in our first time through ryan is the baby mask killer and then it, it turns into gregory for whatever reason that i don't think is really adequately explained other than that oh he somehow got an idea the same idea that laurie did to like let the serial killer out of loose out of the hospital so he could kill Lori. i don't understand that at all. that was a little vague for me too it was done in a lot of quick things and i was like oh right wait what and then the movie just kept going yes. don't <laughs> stop it think, don't stop a, it think. wait a minute hold on hold on what oh well well something else is happening that's because we need another yeah. baby no, face killer and we we don't have i was half expecting it to be the dean because why not right it's it could be anybody all bets are off in the second one it's that one frat guy that falls over in the beginning yes. he's getting back at everybody that's right because he hit his head he's got a concussion he's brain damaged he's turning he's <laughs> Right. <laughs> I don't know. Enter Patrick Dempsey. All bets are off. Oh, and see, Andy. So, Andy, you were talking about that. You were talking about the mask being connected to the scream. Well, uh, the, I, I just thought it was interesting. Actually, uh, Tony Gardner uh, designed the baby face mask, and he actually designed the ghost face mask from the scream films. And I thought that was actually oh. a pretty interesting thing. I, I did not realize. I think that it's a, I, I don't know, it's a super creepy mask. And I think it works really nicely as effectively as Ghostface or any other horror thing. I think that's a great thing to kind of create for kind of those iconic horror things like uh, Jigsaw or or Freddy or Jason or or any of these guys. I think having that element works and having that baby face um killer is just so stinking creepy well and especially when you know it's the real killer because that mask is always slightly like scuffed up and battered if it's like a clean baby face mask I, if you pay <laughs> right. attention you know it's that's that's not somebody that's really the killer the killer always has one that's like they've it's been scratched up and it's a little smudged uh which makes it even that much you know creepier because it's like where is this person coming from with this nasty mask dirty baby this creepy baby dirty baby face <laughs> yes well and, and the baby thing it, it, it is horrible it's a great horrifying mask it's totally strange that a university would have a mascot that is the babies there's no reason <laughs> for that but it all works in the story because of the tone because if it were some sort of sinister fighting animal or some mascot that would be uh, we would assume would be appropriate it wouldn't work with some of the campy stuff that they're doing there it this works because it's like what the heck is that and it's also terrifying so that's uh, that's kind of great 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, and in stuff like that, that's where we're talking about Kermina Barana being used here. That, something that may be overused in the past, but it, it seemed to hit the right note here, even though, again, it's campy. Uh, it's 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 always kind of a joke now. It's even a punchline when they bring it in here because okay, you have the huge sweeping opera that comes out, but uh, but it works because it's but it works so great and... because of the moment when you that was when I really was like oh I get it now. I didn't quite get the game even though I probably should have before then. But when Danielle kisses Carter, <laughs> I was like I love. I was like I love this movie. What and it's done yeah. in crazy luxurious slow motion. And she's like, what? And it's to Carmina Bureta. The entire movie like throws up. And it was so much fun. I love it. So that's why of like when I talked about big swings, big sweeping moments and with slow motion and stuff of like, yeah, everything. That's when the whole movie came into focus for me, which was so much fun. I love it. Did you guys have any other final comments to make about the movie? I, I just wanted to say it's it's such a uh, delight to see a movie like this that is having fun. It's throwing in some little scares. It's throwing in a lot more heart than I ever would have expected in a movie like this. And it was just it was just so much fun to see. And the audience had a great time I was with. And I am I, I certainly hoping that they uh, I mean, it's Bloomhouse. I, I love that they kind of keep cranking out low budget projects so that they can do sequels. So I certainly am looking forward to uh, a third movie sometime down the pike. That's what the BH is Bloomhouse. Yeah, correct. At the beginning of the movie. Very cool. Well, with that being said, maybe it's time for us to rank it. Go film, born. It's the flick chart. Time to see where it ranks. Hope we pick smart. Will we kick it up high or rip it apart? Oh, we'll never know until we rank it on the flick chart. 50 Cent is overrated. Hooray! (laughs) (laughs) I'm running out of words that rhyme with chart. I love that. And it's even better than if you did choose to do a babyface one. So I'll just say that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> check out the entire film board filmography ranked in one convenient place at flickchart.com slash TNR film board. When you get there, you can create an old, your own tournament style stack ranking and see how your big screen favorites run alongside ours. So where do we start? Andy. First off, happy death day to you or Valerian in the city of a thousand planets. HDD to you. I heard Tommy death day. Sorry. That's okay. Death day for me too. Steve? Uh, What? (laughs) Did you see Valerian? (laughs) Yes, I did. I did. There was one good scene. Yes. You can't hold an entire movie against the marketplace scene. No, I I, (laughs) I, I agree. And I was just thinking about Valerian for some reason uh, earlier today. And yeah, that's yes. Both movies have messy parts, but happy death day. I will say I will agree with all of you. It is a lot more fun. I yeah, Valerian. Actually, I, I watched with my kids and I actually ended up having a lot of fun because they had so much fun. But for me, it's oh. it's, settle, it's settling up for me too. Yeah. But I still like this. Yeah, one. Yeah, but Happy Death Day to you is the one that takes it for me. Second, uh, we have Happy Death Day to you, or JJ's favorite Fury. Oh, oh. I'm going to say Fury. Oh, Fury. Happy yes. Death Day to Happy you. Death Day. What Fury <laughs> yeah, the okay. Tank movie? Yep. Right. Yeah. St- yes. Oh, Steve, that's, Steve, oh, that is so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Steve and Tommy, do your do your deal. How do we? Oh, I, Tommy and I don't know how to do this stuff. I'm gonna count. I'm gonna count one. And two, we just three, start shouting things, right? Keep... Is it like knife drill, MRI machine? <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three. Paper. Oh well, that was quick. Okay, so Steve wins. So Steve Fury wins. Fury wins. Happy Death Day to you or Ant Man. 
<laughs> Epstein? I'm going to say Ant-Man. Ant-Man. I'm going to say Ant-Man as well. Happy Death Day to you or First Man. I have to abstain. Death Day. Death Day. Tommy? And, and Pete's, Pete's going to scream as he's editing this. Death Day. I haven't seen it again yet. What? I'm sorry, Pete. I'm going to. I'm well because I really wanted to see it again after our uh, talk. <laughs> Why? Instead, I watched, I've watched every other movie. Yes. So I think I'm going to say Happy Death Day. I'm sorry, Pete. Please don't hate me. <laughs> happy Death Day to you, or Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh, Win- Death Day. Win- Winter Soldier. I uh... this movie. <laughs> happy Death Day. <laughs> I'm going to say Winter Soldier, but uh, boy, I could almost go either way on this one. Okay, Andy, let's do it. All right. One, One, two, two, three. Scissors. scissors, Paper. Happy Death Day Happy Death Day to you takes it. Happy Death Day to you or Looper. Death Day. Hmm. Looper. I haven't seen Looper in so long. I loved it, but do I? Yes, you do. I do, right? You do love it. Looper. That's right. I, go. I'm going to say happy death I just day inception just to Tommy, make it more complicated I again. No. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Andy and Tom. Okay. All right. All right. One, two, three. Rock. Scissors. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Looper takes Looper it. wins. Happy death day to you is at 32 on our flick chart. 32 out of 78. Okay. 32 out of 78. Yeah, okay. Pretty good. That's not, that's not crazy. That's yeah. Sad. We I'm had a with weird that. number of strong battles in there that we had to fight it out. But for me, it's a 3.5 <laughs> and a like. That's where I am. 3.5 and a like. I'll do it too. It's really 3.5 and a love. I will say. Yeah. Steve? Uh, uh, 2.5. No, Grandpa Steve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kids, quiet down. I'm trying to hear the trailer. I'm soaking <laughs> up the verisimilitude. I like you using like fancy phrases in a room filled with teenagers. <laughs> Mise en scène. All right. <laughs> so where do we go from here? The big behemoth Marvel Cinematic Universe is finally starting to wrap up its early phase. Is this phase four that we're wrapping up? No, it's phase. No, we're wrapping three. It's- phase three. What? Phase three, and we're going to start phase four with the next two months. There's so more have- phases? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where there's money, there be phases. Uh, <laughs> so next month is Captain Marvel. We're going to do that for the film board because uh, we don't want to miss it. We're going to see it. That's uh, March 8th. And then because it may be an urban legend, but because of Robert Downey Jr., they moved up Avengers Endgame. One weekend, so it actually shows up in April, not in May this year. It's going to be in the last week of April. So we're thinking about doing two Marvel movies here in the next couple months. I think it's because it's pretty relevant when you think about what's coming out here uh, at the beginning of 2019. So just for fun, Andy, where are we in the Marvel Movie Minute right now? We, uh, God, you always ask me this, and I'm like, so... Have you, have you cracked the opening credits yet? <laughs> <laughs> we we got to be in the 30s, okay, right? Okay, because we're, we're just recording. Yeah, so we just finished minute 
uh, let's see, by the time this comes out, uh, minute 32 should be out about uh, right now. So we're still in the cave with Tony trying to figure out what to do as far as getting out. And check out that podcast if you hadn't yet. It's uh, Marvel, Marvel Movie Men, and it's part of the Next Real family of podcasts. And it's really fun. It's a little bit uh, shorter in duration, so it's a little bit more bite size. It focuses on one minute at a time every movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if we can keep up. Right, that's that's right. you're on there right now, JJ. Right? Uh, no, I was last week. I last was week, last I'm sorry. Week. Yeah, and it, it was a lot of fun. I really liked doing it. And then for the main show, uh, Andy, you guys are right in the middle of Rocky, the Rocky movie. We right? are. Yeah. By the time this is coming out, uh, we should be uh, about to jump into Rocky Five. Is it called Rocky Five? Uh, or Rocky does it have Five, a unless you want to call it Rocky V, but uh, one way or the other, that's what it I is. Do. <laughs> See. And then how many Rockies, so we've done the four, which is the Cold War one. There's Rocky five. How many more Rockies are there before we get into the creeds? One more. Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've been listening to them, so I'm excited to hear the next ones of those. And also, for everyone out there, I dropped a tiny hint about it earlier, but you, specifically you that are listening here right now, should come join us over on Discord. If you jump on thenextreel.com, you can learn about the channel where we gather with the fun film community on the interwebs, and we post stuff about all of our shows and other remarkable things throughout the entertainment universe. We're a fun-friendly group of movie lovers just like you, so come join our gang. Connect with us there and keep the conversation going for this one say good night andy nelson good night talk to you soon tommy Ansom. we did it and one more word from steve sarmento hondo at the next reel when the movie ends our conversation begins till next Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Mm-hmm.